0: Romans 13, 1 to 7, Romans 13, 1 to 7, reading together. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they res- resist shall receive to themselves damnation. a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's turn to him in prayer. A Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather in your house, once again to fellowship around your word. And Lord, we pray that you remove all distracting thoughts, all wandering thoughts, all tiredness, that we may be able to focus on your word. We also ask again for cleansing, for washing in the blood of Christ. Knowing, O God, we have sinned against you in words, in thoughts, in deeds, in many ways. So, Father, we pray that you be merciful. We also ask that you send thy Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our ears, cause us to understand this truth that we may know how to order our lives on earth. We also pray for every group, pray for the facilitators. Lord, grant to them the anointing of the lips that they may speak forth your word with power, that it would be clear. Your word will be understood by all. And Father, we pray for ourselves as we receive your word. We ask for obedient hearts. We ask for spirit of reception that we would be willing to um, obey as we understand, even though it may, Lord, be contrary to what we like. So be in our midst to bless richly. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so look at your notes. We are continuing. In chapter twenty-three, we still haven't finished question number uh, yeah question number two or paragraph two, paragraph two. Now, shall we read paragraph two? Um, let me see. Have we finished one? Let's revise one very quickly just to make sure because it's the basis of all the other questions. Let's read one, paragraph one together. God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained civil magistrates to be under him, over the people for his own glory and the public good, and to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword, for defense and encouragement of them that are good, and for the punishment of evildoers. Okay, so I think last week I asked... Um, why, who ordained who ordained governments magistrates it's very straightforward it is the supreme lord and king of this world that ordains civil magistrates means as long as the any government in this world whether good or evil is ordained by god understand that god is the one who put them there then you say how come how come god put evil governments in place now when we reach um, question 4, we are going to cover when there is evil governments, what should Christians do or not to do? Okay. But for now, we understand, we read very clearly in Romans chapter 13, it is God that ordained. Now, you look. you've been studying the Old Testament, right? Were there wicked kings, bad kings? There were, and it's very clear, God is the one who put them up, right? Now, there were also unbelieving kings that were not good kings, correct? Not good. But did God not use them for his purpose? Hmm? God? Now, remember, some of these unbelieving kings, because they were raised at that time, people like Cyrus, Darius, what did they do for God's people? They contributed significantly to the rebuilding of the temple, correct? Correct? They are unbelieving kings, unbelieving rulers, judges. But God would use them. So now I ask the question, see who remembers. So God is the one who ordained all governments, correct? So, including evil government. So God is responsible for the evil in the countries. Anyone remember what's the answer? Shalin? No, he's not. So we know he's not. But how do you explain that? Because in our hearts we still, yeah, all these evil and wicked kings and and rulers. Why does God put them there? Why don't God put all good governments, all good men? Why? Vincent, do you remember? Exercise his sovereignty for his for his what for for his. He's able to exercise his sovereignty despite giving free will. Um, What do you mean by that? Because unbelievers will say, "Oh, you say your God is your God is Lord and King of the universe, right?" So he's and you say that he's in total control and he is the one who put up wicked governments. Because if he's in total control, means wicked governments are also put up by him. Because he's absolute. All, all authorities report to him. Sujin, do you remember? So, how do we explain that? Oh, he wasn't here. Okay. Anyone? Howard, do you remember? No. Maybe my question is not clear. If God is also the one who raised up. Wicked kings. Who raised up Pharaoh? God, right? God raised up Pharaoh. God raised up Pharaoh. And when God raised up Pharaoh, I think I asked Isaiah the last time. If God raised up Pharaoh, was Pharaoh a wicked king? Very wicked, right? One of the Pharaohs, during Moses' time, he wanted to kill all the babies, right? Very wicked. Then during the children of Israel, when they were about to go out, that Pharaoh... He was very cruel to the people, cruel slavery. So God is the one who raised Pharaoh. So why does God raise is God the origin is God the creator of wickedness? No. Anyone knows the answer? Can you remember? Now remember we studied. God uses governments to execute his judgment, correct? Hmm? God uses good government to execute his judgment. Can God use wicked government to execute his judgment? And we've seen in the Bible history many times, even to judge who? Even to judge his own children, right? Even to judge his own children, he would raise, he would allow empires to come up, capture them, kick them out of the land, They were not nice to them, right? They did wicked things to them. Did God raise this government to judge the world? Yes, judge his own children? Yes. But is God the originator of their wickedness? No. So how do you explain, Bell? Yes, God put them there because God knows that they will do this evil. Hmm? But their actions is their own actions. Their actions are their own actions. Alright? So, God, when God wants to judge people, even in this world, huh? for example, in this world, using governments, God knows that these men will do certain wicked things. And God will use them to execute His judgment. But God does not go into their heart and make them do wicked things. Do you understand? It's just like God knew that Judas would betray Christ, right? God allowed Judas to do what Judas intended already to do. And God, being omniscient, knew that Judas would do that. And God did not stop him. But God would use Judas. But God did not go into Judas' heart and say, Judas, you you must betray Christ. I'm going to make you betray Christ. Understand that. God does not go into the hearts of the wicked kings and wicked magistrates and make them do wicked things. God used them to execute his judgment. Hmm? But then you say, but good people suffer also (laughs) under wicked government. How to explain that? Good people also suffer under wicked government. Grace, how? Because we struggle with these questions every day in our life, right? We look at the newspaper, certain countries, very wicked governments. You say, okay, I understand God can use wicked governments to judge, to execute his judgment. But then we say, but in those countries, good Christians also suffer. How to explain that? Why? According to God's sovereignty. You see, you will learn these big words now you just keep using. Huh? To glorify him. Wow, to glorify him. Because you, we read here, right? God ordained governments for his own glory, right? So he said to glorify him. So I ask you the next question. How can God be glorified? You know, God raised, God allowed these wicked governments to be raised. They execute judgment. They are wicked. They also torture Christians. Then you say it's to God's glory. Okay, husband will help. Husband was gifting him, yes? He he draws them closer to him and he delivers them. Isn't that exactly what he did with the children of Israel? God raised Pharaoh, right? Wicked magistrate, wicked judges, wicked king. When God raised them, he used them to, he allowed them to bring cruel Slavery to his people, right? What happened as a result? The people were, they told, God, please help us. All this while, they never thought about God, right? All these hundreds and hundreds of years, happily in the land, until their slavery became so bad, they cried to God, God, please help us, correct? So like Alexei, as a result, they were drawn to him. Now remember what is going to happen in the future. Can you think of a future where this is exactly going to happen? In the period of the tribulation, what's going to happen? The Jews will be, it's called the times of Jacob's trouble. In that time of persecution, the Jews will turn to God. Understand? So God does use it. And as a result, the children of Israel, before that, don't want to leave. God have to raise a Pharaoh that is so cruel, So unreasonable that they say, God, I want to leave. I must leave. Please let me leave. If as long as they have a good life there, even slave but still good life, they will not want to leave. If they do not want to leave, then what's going to happen? Then there's no Israel, right? No nation of Israel. No nation of Israel, no saviour. So did God use, raise? He said, for this cause I raise Pharaoh. But even in that, he will care for his people, protect his people. Sometimes God has to use this. Uh, the teens ask this question. Why does God allow temptation and troubles in life? As you remember, he say, we don't, because very often through troubles, through trials, we get drawn closer to God. Correct? Right? So God, even though he raised wicked kings, his, his plan will be achieved. Even for his own people even for his own people. But he never causes this men to do wicked things. It is in their own heart, and they do what is, what is in their own heart. That's why they will be judged by God. Okay? If God make them do it, then God cannot judge them, right? The reason why God can judge them is because they do what they want to do in their heart. God just did not stop them. Okay, so that's point number one. Um, God does raise. But look at point number one very quickly, last revision point. What is the purpose Besides, we say his glory and and what? What is the other purpose? Look at point number one, for public good. For public good. Remember, government in the country are for public good. They may not be perfect, but they are still for public good. Is our government perfect? Is the Singapore government perfect? Is the Australian government perfect? They're not perfect, but still they provide public good. Now to this end have armed them with power of the sword. What does it mean? To this end, have armed them with power of the sword means God put in them put on them the power to execute, to punish, to punish you, punish the weak evildoers, and defend and encourage the good doers. Hmm? So remember that. Government punish evildoers and encourage the, those that do well. So God put government for that purpose. Okay, very quickly, number two. So now we move to this point. To this point. Is it law? Uh, let's read point number two together. It is lawful for Christians to accept and execute the office of a magistrate when called thereunto in the managing thereof, whereof as they ought especially to maintain piety, justice and peace according to the wholesome laws of each commonwealth. So for that end, they may lawfully, now under the New Testament, wage war upon just and necessary occasions. Okay, so here we enter into the next part. It is lawful for Christians. Question number one, please look at your notes. Can a Christian be a policeman, lawyer? Can Christians be policemen, lawyers, judges, be part of jury duty, be politicians? Um, And so on Can or not So obviously from point number two Can, right? Can But what are the biblical um, Support for that Because some people feel that Christians Should never be lawyers Christians should never be Policemen because policemen Carry guns Policemen kill people Hmm? Um, Christians should not be In politics And so on so can or not? Here they say can. Now, well what's the, what's the basis what's the first and foremost basis why we say Christians can be lawyers, judges, in government offices. Maybe, why? Because in the first place, it's not sinful, but how do we know it's not sinful? How do we know not it is not sinful because in the first place Shalin yes because in the first place point number one we already read in Romans 13 God is the one who ordained magistrates He ordained these officers that execute judgment right God ordained them for the world for good for public good for his glory. So if God ordained them for His glory, for public good, as we read in Romans chapter 13, He even tells us to obey them, then just on that principle alone we know it is not wrong for Christians to be, to be in these roles. So that is one biblical example. Um, Now what else? What else? Maybe I ask the second question. But what should you... So if you want to join, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a um, minister in Australia or Singapore. What, if there is nothing wrong, then what should you be very conscious of and be prepared for? Just like any other job? Ben, what do you think? One of the things that you have to be aware of, you should not uphold the laws that are against God. Okay? You should, be not will, you, should, you should be ready not to uphold. But how do you know whether it's against or not? How do you know it's against or not? Because many laws today say it is good. But how do you know it's against? Compared to God's word, right? It's a very simple answer. Don't look for very complicated answer. Life is actually very simple for a Christian. How do we know? Compared to the word of God, right? But why do you think I make this point? Why do you think I make this point? Murray, why do you think I make this point? If you want to be in this kind of work, because in this kind of offices, you are going to administer laws, right? You may even set up new laws be asked to be involved in laws you'll be asked to execute laws execute judgment. So why do you think I bring up this point my very good now if you want so that so what uh, Moray said is, Because if I want to be in this kind of jobs, then I have to make sure that I do not compromise my faith. Right? Now, if you want to take, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want to be a judge, a politician, a minister, um, people executing these things in public offices, you better be very clear about your faith. You better be very, very, very clear about your faith. Because the statement is, I want to make sure I don't compromise my faith. Correct? How to know your faith? How to know our faith? When difficult time comes, you have to know, am I choosing according to God's word? Understand that. In this kind of jobs, if you want to stand for this kind of offices, you must know God's word very well. You better know Westminster Confession very well. Because it's going to test your understanding of your faith. There will be so many policies, so many laws, so many things that you have to um, support or implement, that if you do not know God's word, you will do things without and support laws that you don't even know. You're causing problems for Christianity. Anyone who wants to enter these offices, better study God's word. And I think Westminster Confession of Faith is a very good place to start. Very thorough. If I do this, is it contrary to my beliefs? After I ask you, is it contrary to a Christian belief to carry guns, to go to war, to join the military? Hmm? There are Christians who say, we cannot go to the war, we cannot go to military. Or if our country goes to invade another country, I should not be part of it. If you do not know your faith, you, you do not even know. To say yes, no, support, don't support, you don't know. Okay, so the first thing, if you want to take up this sort of role, make sure you know your beliefs thoroughly that you're not compromising. Now, I'll give you an example. This is what I heard. There's a government minister in Singapore. He's an Indian. Right? He's an Indian, and you know Singapore is a multiracial country, right? So um, the ministers they need to be very, uh, very um, aware that it is a multiracial country. Now this minister was at a, was at an Indian event. Okay, he was at an Indian event, and he's an Indian. You know, so while while at the event. Um, It's a public event. One of the um, temple priests went up to him and tried to dot a red dot on his head. You know, the, the Indians would dot a red dot on his head. And what we heard was he told them, no, he can't do it. And then he understood the significance behind it, the religious significance behind it. So to him, I can be here. I can be here to... Um, support this event as a minister As in a multiracial country. This is your celebration. I grace the event, right? But when it comes to the religious things, he's very clear what is the religious significance and he do not take on the mark of other religions on his body. Understand that? So he understands where the line is. He understands. So if you are a Christian that does not study God's word, that does not bother about these things. Now, many of the things you study in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we will be doing DHW, these are all the things that are going to guide you. Understand that. What am I, am I compromising? Am I not? So you want to be in this line, number one, know your beliefs very well. Number two, you must know where to draw the line. That is what you must be ready for. Number three, what else? What do you think is? You must know your beliefs very well. You must know where the line is and you do not cross it. Number three is, you must be willing to suffer. You must be willing to bear the consequences of not compromising. Understand that? Not only you must be able to discern, now you discern and then you're fearful. Never mind, I just compromise. Then you better not be in this kind of jobs. If you're offered this kind of jobs, if you are thinking of being in public office in these areas, if you are someone who is weak, you know that you tend to compromise. Then do not be part of it. Two point Paragraph 2 says, it is lawful for Christians to accept and execute the office of a magistrate. Now, that, mean, that does not mean just go and take it. It means you accept it, And you live by your faith when you're there. Understand that? Okay? So, remember that. So, three things you must be ready for. You must be ready to be fired. You must be ready to say, I'll lose my job. You want to dot that on my head and I say no? Then maybe the the Prime Minister may say, "If if you're like that, then please don't be a minister. Please step down then he must be ready to step down. Okay, So you want to be in this area, be ready for that. Now in other words, it also means this. If you choose to be in this line, it is a line where you constantly have to be alert and may even need to to fight. Hmm? You like it? You want it? If you don't like, don't enter this line. So someone asks, is it okay to study law? What do you think? Any lawyers here? Anyone studying law? law? Adrian. Adrian is not here. Right. He, he says, no, that's why I don't do law. <laughs> I'm doing IT. No, I'm, not, I'm just putting words in his mouth. Now what do you think? It's okay to be a lawyer. Do you think it's going to be easy to be a Christian and a lawyer? Depends. What do you mean, depends? If you live in a place where people don't lie, it's okay. I like to live there. Where is that place? <laughs> um, maybe I rephrase what you're saying. If you live, if you are in that area of work, in, in legal work, where lying is, is something that is not possible, huh? very low chance then it's easy, right? I can think of if you're doing conveyancing. At least in my simple mind, I think people, lawyers, that do conveyancing. You know conveyancing? You buy a house, you buy property, then they just do the paperwork for you, and then make sure they submit this, submit that, and then all transfer the deed to you, that kind of thing. Is that called conveyancing? I think so. Now, that kind, very straightforward, right? But well, of course, there will be people that ask you, put um, the price is this, but do all sorts of funny things, then you don't. But by and large, easier. But what do you think about Defending criminals in public. No, why, why Valerie? Why you laugh? Is it easier, easier. Yeah, especially if the criminal is a client and confess the crime to you, and, by the law, you are not to and according to and guided by the law, you you are not allowed to tell the others. Is it true? As a lawyer, I don't know whether it's true or not, but criminals difficult, right? It will be a lot more difficult. Now, what's the role of a of a of a of a defense lawyer? Hmm? Someone commit a crime, comes to you and tell you, "Hey, I'm going to jail. You know, I'm hiring as my lawyer. Please defend me." Do you understand? The defense lawyer's job is to keep you out of jail. <laughs> means the defense lawyer's job is to make sure that he will look at every possible angle of the law within bounds to defend you, right? To defend you or to lighten the sentence, correct? And even sometimes, I do not know, maybe I'm wrong, I would imagine even if they know you have committed the crime, they will will do their best to help you, right? To help you to escape the law. That's that's their job. So, if you want to be a lawyer, you have to think carefully which area of law you want to go into, right? So, Christians, what I'm trying to say simply is, in this area, not only know your faith, not only know where the line is, not only be willing to practice, even if you're willing, if you know all this, you do all these three, know that it's not easy. Just know that it's not easy. Okay? You want to be a lawyer? Aim to be a what? They always say, aim to be a judge. Aim to be the judge. You can't be a judge without being a lawyer first, right? I think at least. Aim to become a judge. Because as a judge, you're supposed to execute judgment, correct? Um, You're not there to say, I must must die, die, must win this case for this client, right? You're there to execute judgment. Then you're in a good position to execute righteousness. Hmm? Then it's good. It's useful. all right. So, so um, um, someone asked sometime, and, and I think it was a parent, is it okay? You well, just need to be aware of all these things. Now, but I also say that, does it mean that you be a lawyer, join the government ministry, and then go in there to fight for every Christian principle? Fight against um, the government's laws on any area that contradicts Christianity. Should you do that? we we'll cover that when we reach point number four, I think. All right? Should you do that? Should Christians do that? Now, um, okay, so we covered this. Now, um, all right, so, so these areas are difficult. Just be aware. But it's very, very good also. So don't think that I'm trying to tell you don't join. Because why? Point number one says it is for public good. It is for public good. Please join. If God's calling for you is there, please join and execute public good. Be a good public servant and do the right things. Okay? So it is good if God calls you um, to that area and you have a calling to that. So is it easier... To be an engineer than a lawyer. What do you think? Who's an engineer? Howard is an engineer. No. You are an engineer. I'll pretend to look around. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't move didn't move, I wouldn't have noticed you. Alright, so is it easier to be a lawyer? Easier to be an engineer than a lawyer. All fields have the areas of requiring to be to be a good person, to be righteous, to have integrity. Now, correct. Don't think that. Oh, okay, lawyers is very difficult. Be engineer. Well, because engineer, we work with machines, right? Machines mean machines. They don't. They don't try to tell you to do anything wrong. You know, you must do what is right. called the machine. It's okay. Hmm? This is a machine. But beyond that, there is still many other things, right? In the administrative side, in the business side, every area for a Christian is the same. It's the same. Certain areas will be relatively more exposed to daily difficulties. Huh? Yes, I would still say being an engineer in the sense, your daily exposure to need to compromise may be lower than a defense lawyer, right? Okay, just be aware of that. So we shouldn't say, oh, it's all easy being an engineer. That's it. Because you still might be called upon to do, right? Famous company. What's that company that did this um, exhaust testing thing? Volkswagen, is it? Volkswagen. Engineers write programs to fool the testing of, of um, emissions of, of gas from the car and all that also have right okay so doesn't mean that oh free from any temptation now next so yes we can we sh- and we should if called upon because we are we want to do public good we want to do public good now I ask you the next question what are the three areas you must focus on in such offices in performing your duties now very straightforward you look at point number one uh, point number two what are the three areas to maintain Piety one. Maintain justice two. Maintain peace three according to the wholesome law of each commonwealth. So that's not it's not wrong to be in this in this in these roles. You're there to maintain many good things. Can you please turn to now God does not say Christians cannot be in this area. In fact, God in Psalm eighty two verse two, shall we turn to Psalm eighty two verse two? Psalm eighty-two, verse two, two to f- no two to four. Shall um, shall we read Psalm eighty-two, two to four together? How long will he judge unjustly and accept the presence of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. You see, God tells those who rule, Do these things. Do these things. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to those that are afflicted. Deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So here God does tell us to um, do these things if you are in this area. Now what about Second Samuel chapter twenty three? Let's turn to Second Samuel chapter twenty three. Chapter 23, read verse 3. Okay, reading. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me. Uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 20. Hang on. 23, verse 3. Verse 2. Thank you. Let's read together. "The, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and His word was in my tongue. Verse 3. The God of Israel said... The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Now, does God say it is wrong to rule, wrong to be magistrates, wrong to be in the government offices? No. But the injunction is very clear rule justly and rule in the fear of God. Now you say, All right, all these things I'm not in the government, so it's fine. How many of you are managers in the office? Many of you are, right? You are managers in your office. It's the same, you're ruling your department, you're making rules, so rule justly and rule with the fear of God. Hmm? So remember when you execute your job, you say, oh, I'm not a government official, but as long as you're in position where you rule, rule justly, rule with the fear of God, so be fair, Don't, um, don't be partial, I like this person, then I give all the good things to this person. And all the bad jobs I give to the other engineer. Oh, I like this person. I give I give him good pay increments. That kind of thing, right? So God says, rule justly in the fear of God. Now, the next, um, all right, so we have some Bible verses, how we should behave as, as managers at the workplace, but especially those that execute the law. Now, so now this is a question that many people always ask. Is it wrong for Christians to be in military service? Justify your answer. So here, God says you can take the office of magistrate and then to ex- to wage war upon just and necessary causes. Huh? Point number two, in the New Testament, you may lawfully now under the New Testament wage war upon just and necessary occasions. Now, okay, you want to be a judge, you want to be in government offices, what about if you end up in police force in army? Or can a Christian even sign up to be in the army? No one's in the army. Eh? Oh, Colin, you were in the army before. How come you didn't sign on? Be a regular. Because that's, that's not a calling. All right? That's the right answer. Not because, no, Christians shouldn't be soldiers. Hmm? Okay, so is it right? Can we can we? I lump all the three questions together. Question number four. Is it wrong for Christians to bear arms in civil law, in civil rules, civil roles? Policemen, soldiers, execute judgment. How? What about number five? What about Jehovah's Witnesses? Jehovah's Jehovah Witnesses are against bearing arms. They're against joining the army. What are their justifications? Justify your answer. Now, this is a very pertinent question because Well, I do not know about here, but in Singapore they are illegal. They are banned group, the Jehovah Witnesses, right? Jehovah Witnesses are banned in Singapore because they say we should not Christians should not join the army. But you know military is military service in Singapore is compulsory. So it's a big problem. So they are banned group, they are cults. Okay, all Singaporeans we have gone through military service. Have we committed sin? Should we have been like them? Right so now justify answer can can okay so ben say can what is your supporting answer for example from the bible yes your answer to maintain peace okay so you go back to the first one because we maintain peace okay because we maintain peace um Alright, then why some Christians say cannot? Can you give more examples? Who can give more examples that in the Bible, clearly being a soldier is not a sin? Hey, Adrian's sitting behind. Adrian, we can hear you from here. So Adrian, can you speak? Okay. Is it, is it, ah, so that he don't fall asleep behind the screen. Huh? Now, is it, what other examples can you think, think of in scriptures besides, besides Romans 13 that says, all these government officers, they maintain peace. So, so yes, it's for that. Any other examples? Now we'll be more specific. Soldiers. Um, what about those in the New Testament? Yes. Any example in the New Testament? Uh, Joshua leads. The soldiers to fight say again uh, Joshua Joshua used soldiers to fight no in the New Testament oh, in the New Testament mm. uh, because Old Testament they say or because it's theocracy government uh, God ordained them to fight so it's okay New Testament no nope. wow <laughs> okay I cannot fight that answer No. anyone can you think pay New Testament example where being a soldier is not wrong. Any? Yes, Moraes. John the Baptizer. What did he say? Maybe you're thinking, yeah. Maybe you're thinking of the event where they say, if you have don't don't if you have enough, don't go and quarrel some more about your salary. I think that's what you're saying. Let's turn to, let's turn to Luke chapter three, Luke chapter three. Now let's clear this up once and for all, because there are Christians who, secretly in their heart, they never really knew: is it okay, not okay? Now this will make it clear. Luke chapter three verse fourteen. Shall we Luke read Luke three? Um, all right, here Luke three fourteen. Let's read together. And the soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, "And what shall we do?" And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Murray, you're talking of this verse, right? Now, remember these people, they just heard from John the baptizer how to be saved. Okay? So a lot of people keep asking. Now, look at verse, for example, verse 12. The publicans say, Oh, what should we do? They are publicans are what? Tax collectors, correct? The tax collector say, oh, then what should I do? Then, verse 14, the soldiers also say, what should we do? We want to get saved, and after we get saved, what should we do? You know why they ask, what should we do? They're asking, should we leave our jobs, understand that? The publicans were hated. So they say, hey, everyone hates publicans. What shall I do after salvation? Should I stop being a tax collector? The soldiers, the people don't like the Roman soldiers, You say, if I become a Christian, should I stop being a Roman soldier? What should I do? And what's the answer? Now, what's the answer to the the soldiers? The answer is, lay down your arms, take off your uniform, and stop being a Roman soldier. No. Right? That was not the answer. The answer in the Bible was not stop being a soldier, stop being a Roman soldier. The answer was, verse 14, do violence to no man. Huh? Did someone say something? No. Do violence to no man. Does it mean cannot go to war? Vincent, do violence to no man. What good is a soldier if a soldier don't fight? Uh, for, of the for the defense of the innocent. Now, this do violence to no man means don't bully anyone. Alright? The soldiers... Soldiers are known, the bad soldiers are known to bully the people. Okay, to bully the people. And the Roman soldiers, they are very powerful. They can ask you to do anything. Run back and forth. Do anything, the public. And you must obey them. So they're famous for that. The soldiers were supposed to protect the people. So they say, don't bully them. Don't bully them. That's what it means. Not don't don't fight. eh? Don't bully these people. Don't do violence to them. Number two. Neither accuse that any falsely. Be a righteous soldier with integrity. Some of these soldiers, to get their way, they will just falsely accuse people and then um, take whatever they want, right? So don't do that. Don't be that. And be content with your wages. Don't keep going on strike. I don't know whether they went on strike. I don't know. But why, why that? Now here, same, right? The government say, please be happy with your salary. Don't keep going on strike. Now, do you think it's only for soldiers? Don't go on strike. It's for every Christian. Understand? Every Christian, the point here is if you're employed, is this is what you sign up for, whatever is given, be content. Don't go on strike and fight for more money. Should Christians join? Should you join your colleagues? colleagues when they go out and go against the bosses, go against the government, the magistrates, the judges? their policies on salary and all that? Should you go out and picket and fight and demo- go, go, dem- go into demonstration with them? No. Christ said after, after salvation, don't do that. Sujin, are you happy with your salary? Yes. Now everybody say yes. Now, if you have been unfairly treated, you see, everybody keep getting pay increment. But because you're a Christian, you don't get pay increment. Or because, because your face is not liked by your boss. You don't get pay agreement. So you just say, be content with my wages. Can a Christian do anything? Pay, can or not? Can a Christian do anything? Can a Christian go to the boss? Can ask. Can ask. But the question is how you ask, right? It does not mean we've studied this before, it does not mean the Christian cannot make any request. You see in the Bible many times the Christians made requests, right? They made requests to the government. You can make requests. But in the end, if they still treat you like that, then you accept it as from the Lord. Understand? Okay, so just accept it as from the Lord. That the Lord has allowed it. But it does not mean you cannot ask. But ask respectfully, not demonstrate. So after you ask with a few colleagues, you ask with a few colleagues, all of us didn't get pay increment. You ask, and then they say the policy is like that. Then your friends go and demonstrate. They they say we won't come come turn up to work to drive the train. What should you do? You come to work to drive the train. You can go together to request. Okay? All right? So when God says submit to all these policies, all these laws set by magistrates. In the end, after that, as long as it's not something um, sinful, you just accept as from the Lord and submit. Okay. All right. So submitting to higher authorities. So no, the Bible is not against being soldiers. Christ, John the Baptizer didn't tell them stop being a. a, a uh, one minute. Stop being a soldier. Must you not? Can you? Are you allowed to be in government office, tax tax collection office? Yes, but. The same, verse 13. Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. These tax collectors, they will ask for more than what the government requires. And they just pocket it. And the government let them do that at the time. That's why they're hated. Understand? You execute what the government um, what uh, tells you to, that's it. So these are government officers. Not wrong. Vincent, you had a question? Why do you, you keep winking your eye when you're talking to me? I thought you were trying to trick me. Huh? are you <laughs> tricking me? As you talk, you wink your eye. All right. All right, so he give us this trick question, all right? Now, the question is this. If I'm a policeman, and then your department head says, we are all going on strike, okay, we're on going strike because we want to fight for more whatever, okay, benefits, then because he is your superior, and the Bible says, Subject yourself to all authorities, right? So because he says superior, and then he says, now you also, Vincent, you also cannot go to work today. Okay, so the answer is very straightforward. So should he listen to his superior? Maybe. He should listen to his superior and not turn up for work. Why do you say that? Because we must subject to ourselves to all, made all. Um, authorities. Why do you say yes? And I come to a question that you were asked last week, uh, last time. Because he's your superior and he asked you to do that. Okay, but we just learn. We just learn be content with your wages. Okay, if you made the request already, they are not content. You still be content. That's number one. But now the question is, your superior tell you to do that. Now, when your superior tell you to do that and you know it is the wrong testimony for a Christian, you don't do it. Can your superior fire you for not going on strike? (laughs) Okay, why is Colin thinking so hard? (laughs) Can, in the hospital? Huh? Very ironic. They can. No, they cannot. Yeah, but they cannot fire you for not joining them to go downstairs and, do a, and go demonstrating with them or don't turn up or operate on your patient halfway and walk away, right? You, they, oh, you operate halfway and walk away, you can get sued. But no, I don't, as far as I know, the, the government cannot fire, no boss can fire you for not going on strike with them, right? I hope so. Alex, is it true? They cannot. So why should you obey when it is something that is not lawful? It's not required. Understand that. So Yihua asked a question the other week. So, for example, in a country which we will not name, which country? In a country where, if you read the Bible, they they will they will punish you. Is it? They will send you to an island with no food and perform hard labor if you read the Bible. So should you obey? They are government, you know, higher than your boss, higher than judges. They're the government. Obedience is always what? In the Lord. Should we obey man or God? Always obey God first. God say, read the Bible, you read the Bible. You obey God first. Understand that? Okay? Now, if a government say, if you read the Bible, we'll throw you into this island and no food and everything. Should you read the Bible secretly? Murray? No, Sarah? Should you read the Bible secretly? You know it's a country law. You cannot read the Bible. And should you read the Bible secretly? Go to the toilet and read the Bible? No. My question is, should you read the Bible secretly if the country says you should not read the Bible? Should you obey the government we shouldn't. I know what you're going you to say. No, it's a, no, we shouldn't obey. We, there's no need. Always obey God first. Understand that. When the Pharisees, they were the rulers of the Jews, when they said, do this, what did the apostle say? When they say, we don't allow you to preach the gospel, or we'll beat you up, you say, then Peter just simply said, should we, should we obey men, or should we obey God? All right, Vincent, clear? When it's not legal, you don't have to obey. When it's wrong for your testimony, you don't obey. In fact, I think you'll be a good testament, the government will love you. <laughs> Maybe more difficult question. Vincent. Okay, who's falling asleep? I was call their names. No one's falling asleep. Alright, still Vincent then. Vincent. We are going to conquer another country, occupy another country. Vincent? get your rifle, suit up, we are flying out. Should you go? Should clarify why we are going to occupy the country? How are you going to ask the general? (laughs) So, can I clarify? (laughs) Why are we going there? Uh, um, Depend on your rank. It's a chain of command because you are so far away from the general, right? right? How you shout also, the general can't hear you. <laughs> that far down the chain. Yes? Now, um, if we know... So now the problem is this. Is it wrong to be part of an army that occupies another country? What do you think? Risa? Is it wrong to be part of an army that occupies another country? Depends. Depends on? Hmm. Okay, let's not name names. Very country that is very Iraq. <laughs> Alright, it did the video. A country that is very, uh, evil, I mean. Evil. So it's okay. I don't know how to lie. But still, say it out. So is that Bible principle? must be from the Bible. Is it wrong to be part of an army that's occupying another country? In the Bible. In the Bible. Now, can we turn to Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Is it wrong to be a part of an army that is called to occupy another nation? Matthew chapter 8. Now can we read verses 9 and 10 together? For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. This is a centurion, this is a soldier, occupying where? Occupying? Christ the said. "I look at this soldier, I don't even find faith like that in Israel, who this soldier is part of the army that occupies? Israel. Was Christ angry at this soldier? How dare you occupy my land? Did he? Now, turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Verses 1 to 2. Now, let's read Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. This is army, not not rock band. Verse 2. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. It was called a devout man. Now, in scriptures, very often when he refers to the centurions who were Roman soldiers occupying Israel, they were not condemned. Right? They were not condemned. Now, in fact, who wanted Israel to be in this state? God. God already said, for your sins, this is what's going to happen to you. Hmm? This is what's going to happen to you. Now I know your question. There will be question. What about should should we join ISIS? ISIS. These are evil organizations, evil armies. They conquer with wicked intentions, with um, with um, certain um, in certain ways and all that, which we do not we know are sinful. So no, these are legitimate armies. Understand that legitimate armies. Of the world, okay. So these are the difficult quick things we just see in scriptures. God does not condemn them. God, God worked with. God never once, Christ on earth, say kick the Romans out, fight the soldiers. Who wanted that actually? The disciples. The disciples wanted that, and when Christ did not do that, many of the followers did not like him. We thought you're here to kick out the Romans, and then if you say that you don't do that. Okay, so remember that as far as we can see. Soldiers occupying a country, Christ did not rebuke them. Um, okay, being a soldier is not wrong. But definitely being a soldier to defend, is it correct? Definitely. Luke 22, verse 35. Now, here is that next question. Is it wrong to carry arms? Luke 22, verse 35. Luke 22, verse 35. Because I'm answering the next question. Um, Arms. Question 4. Luke 22, verse 35. Can we read together? One, two, reading. Okay, Luke 22. Okay. Um, did I give you the wrong verse? Luke 22, verse 35 to. Okay, now he says, um, l- let's read verse 36 also, I'm sorry. Now then he said unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Christ tell them to go buy a sword. Arm yourself. You don't, have, you don't have a sword? Go and sell something and sell your clothes and buy a sword. Did Christ ever say, no Christian should ever carry any arms? Here Christ tell them to carry arms. What was the purpose of carrying arms? Caleb. Why did they Christ say, hey, you don't have a sword. Huh? You better go buy one, you know. Sell your clothes and buy a sword. You'd rather have a sword, wear a sword, than wear your shirt. Defense. 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 Carrying the arm for defense. He was sending them out. You carry your purse, you carry your things and all that. Make sure that when you're traveling, arm yourself against the thieves, robbers. So arming for defense is not wrong. So carrying arms is not always wrong. If, a, if, if you are defending your country, carry arms is not wrong. We also see occupation is not wrong. But fighting for evil cause is never right. Okay? It's never right. So I hope that's clearer. Now it's the same. You want to join the army, the same again, right? It might be a bit more complicated. Just be aware. Just be aware. I know you asked that question, right? So you wanted to be air traffic controller, right? Then I remember you asked the question. air traffic controller, Pastor, what happens if I'm controlling the traffic and then they tell me to send a plane to this place and to bomb this place and I've have, I have no reaction time. Now I must activate, send the plane there, guide them there and let them bomb the place. What should I do? Am I able to shoot and kill the enemies if I'm sent overseas and then I control the plane shoot enemies are you allowed to? Unless you're not killed, you know. You must not murder. Now remember is killing someone always is killing someone always murder? Is killing someone sometimes defense because they are coming to attack you right? If you don't kill them, they will come and attack you. That's a, so it's defense also. Now, that's why it's complicated, right? It gets very complicated, this kind of job. So if you want, so you're very happy, they didn't select you. You don't have that headache now. You don't have to keep lying in bed and wonder <laughs> at night. What should I do if that happens? Some jobs are more complicated. you got to know your faith very well and know where the line is. All right, so defense is very clear there. Um, okay, so now next question. Now, what about what about this? Let's do Jehovah Witnesses. Then we end. All right. So next week, then I will ask you: Can a Christian take another person to the magistrate court and sue the person? We cover that. But let's at least finish this. Jehovah Witnesses. So Jehovah Witnesses say, cannot join army, cannot take up arms. What is their justification? What is their justification? Now, their justification, one of it is what you just studied in the book of Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter? Hmm? You just did. Isaiah chapter? What do you think it is? Two. Right? Two. Have you done that? You have done that, right? Isaiah chapter 2. Now, this is one of their justification. And they say, they quote this in their uh, official website, which is verse verse, verse 4. Let's read. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, So they say this. Now, this is what Christ wants. What Christ wants is for people in this age to beat their swords into plowshares. You got a sword? Don't use it as a weapon anymore. Go beat this metal, melt it, convert it to plowshares. You know it's plowshares? Plowshares, right? Plowshares. For farming equipment, turn your... Offensive weapon into farming equipment. And then another, spears into pruning hooks, the same, into equipment for farming, for for, for ploughing, all those kind of things. Turn all your weapons into this. So he says, and he says, yes, that is what Christ wants. Nation not to lift up sword against nation. We should not have any more weapons in this world. So this is based on this, they say, therefore, when we go to join armies, we are only... Encouraging more and more weapons, right? You join army, they have to create another gun for you, give you another weapon. Um, so, and then we will, we, instead, we should be doing the opposite. So, based on this, they say we should not. Now, let me try and read to you. So, um, let me see. Alex, what's wrong with this? It's good, right? They sound very convincing. Say again. Out of context. So, what is the context then? They were what? Sorry? They were taught talk- this is about the end times. Yeah, and that's their point. This is about the end times. You are living in the end times. Therefore, it is our duty to make sure that we beat our swords into plowshares. Is this the millennium? I don't know. I, I, you asked me. I, I ask you one question. You ask me a question back. I won't fall for this trick. <laughs> See, this is talking about the. Is a question or a statement? Yes, this is a, This is the millennium. Understand that. Remember, the millennium is when Christ will rule. Now, let me ask you: When Christ rule, how many governments are there? We studied that in Isaiah recently. How many governments will there be? Only one government. What is that government? The Christian government understand, so at that time it will be like that. Christ will say, "No more weapons. I won't. I don't want to see any more weapons. All this will be converted into peaceful things. Christ will rule. That's why it's called that period is a rule of peace. Understand, a rule of peace. Um, Now let me read to you what they say. So they say. Um, how will now God says God says all these things? He "How will God accomplish His kingdom on earth that He prayed for?" He so said, "All these things cannot happen until the governments learn war no more." Isaiah two four, Isaiah two four, the nations will not go to war anymore. So learn war no more. You see, "So they said, in order for the world to have peace." the governments must not learn to do war anymore. So they must fight against any of these this armies, joining armies and all that, carrying weapons. Um, and then there must be a world... So they interpret this verse as a world... I'm reading from their website now, A worldwide educational program. People will learn to live in peace. Thus beat their swords and their plowshares and their spears into pruning shears. So that is how they interpret this from their website. Now... We know this is millennium. So, what is the problem? Why do they interpret it this way? Young. Because they are often the problem with our millennialism and post millennialism, right? And many of these are post millennial in their thinking. Post millennialism is what? Why is post millennial? Fiona, huh? Fiona, why is post millennial? Post-millennialism. Post. Husband, and wife, can discuss. What is post-millennial? Because you don't know as the husband, right? The Bible says. Do you come for Isaiah too? After operation, too tired. Post-millennial. What is what is pre-millennial? Oh, this one, church members, okay. Now, i ask you the other one. What is premillennialism? Christ come before tribulation, before rapture, uh, at rapture, before tribulation. Now, I'll help you all to remember, huh? whenever you say post-millennial, millennial, pre-millennial, anything that has to do with millennialism is about Christ's second coming. Understand that? Every time you see. Whether it's pre, post, are, uh, anything that's millennialism is about Christ coming. Post, if pre millennialism is Christ coming before the tribulation, post millennialism is Christ coming after all these things. He come and He judged the world at that last point. So the whole problem with the wrong eschatology. Now you know why we are Bible Presbyterians. Now you know why we keep teaching you, we keep emphasizing, we keep making sure you understand, you join church membership, we ask you. It's very important. When you don't, you will become cults like them. And then you you may not call yourself Jehovah Witnesses, but you will begin to push this agenda of world peace. Because... The wrong eschatology, which is post-mill, means Christ come right at the end, not before tribulation. It means that now we must make the world like the millennium. We must make the world today into the millennium period so that at the end of this millennium, Christ will come. That's called post-millennium. Post-millennium means Christ come at the end of millennium. Christ come at the end of millennium means now we must have no pruning hoop. No sword, no weapons. Understand that? That is the whole problem with wrong eschatology. So the, the Jehovah Witnesses' the problem is their eschatology has resulted in them teaching false cults, um, beliefs, because of that. Is eschatology important? Very important. It affects so many things. It can affect you into fighting for world peace. There will not be peace until the millennium, when Christ is the ruler on earth. Understand that? Now to then, please don't go around and insist that people must not take up arms. Okay? So that is, I hope you are clear in your heart, the justification. Um, Okay, so we will cover the next question the next time round which is, can a Christian take another to court to sue him? You do business. Okay, someone borrowed money from you in church. A lot of money. $50,000. Then after that, you ask, you say, time, I need the money, pay me back. He say, I refuse to pay you. Can you take him to court? You do business with another Christian partner. Another Christian refused, owe you money, refused to pay up. How? Can you bring him to court to sue him? Hmm? Or or your your partner wants to sue that person, and you're involved in this business with this partner, and he wants to sue another Christian. What should you do? Christians and the magistrates, can we go to court? Let us pray.